This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 127 of the Stacey West podcast. Uh, my name is Ben and I'm your host or co-host and Gary is with me. How are you doing? It was a little bit different that it was like when they used to change the beginning credits of coronation street when i was a kid you know when you're expecting <laughs> one thing and something different happens like ooh, that's exciting ben's mixed it up a little bit yeah well you know like to keep things fresh i mean i'm I very but... I, I am very well uh in, in answering your question although talking about keeping things fresh i have an amusing story that makes me look a little bit grebby which i think might be nice to kick off our playoff special podcast on Go on then. What, what, so, what have you done? So I've started running, as you know, overrated, but I've started it. And what I'd done, I'd, I don't like to create undue amounts of washing. So I'd got into a habit where I'm going for a run usually in the evening. When I get back, I'll shower. I'll put on clean underwear and socks, but then I'm only wearing them for an hour or two before bedtime or before I get in pajamas or whatever. So I was then using those pants and socks the next day because I've only worn them for an hour, haven't I? It's not, that's not grebby. Mm. So, it's not, is it? It's yeah. You know, it's a reasonable thing to save me producing two pairs of pants and two pairs of socks for the washing all every day, which seems excessive. Uh, not that I do the washing. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, I'm sat here on Friday, and Fee comes down. She goes, "I'm doing the dark washing." I went right. She goes, uh, "You haven't got any pants or socks for me, have you?" And I went, "No, I haven't." She goes, well, it looks to me then like you haven't changed your pants or socks for two days. And I went, that's rubbish. I said, I go for a run. I come back, I shower, I change my pants and socks. I've got yesterday's on. She went, yes, you have, Gary. She said, but you didn't go for a run on Thursday. (laughs) So what happened was I'd gone for a run on Wednesday, come back, put clean pants and socks on, then picked them up Thursday morning, worn them all Thursday, not gone for the run, then got on Friday morning and thought, oh, they were clean on last night and put them on again. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, it, it was it was funnier when it happened, uh, to be honest. <laughs> no, I mean, to, you know, it's you know, as long as you've not crapped yourself, you'd be all right. That's fine. I I stopped that months ago. Well, there you go. Yeah, nothing to nothing to worry about there then. So, um, Are we excited for pubs opening up. 
I, I went to a pub for the first time in like 15 months on uh, on Saturday. I went and sat in a beer garden under a little canopy, had a pint with a couple of mates, and it was bloody lovely. Nice. I was. We, uh, we opened the bar to guests last night. Fuck Boris. <laughs> oh, that'll need a beep. Yeah, I'm excited for things opening up, and it's uh, obviously you know one of the biggest things that's opening up we'll, we'll talk about in a little while but um the corn dolly and rugby yes absolutely so you can get your breakfast again um but no i mean you know we're, we might as well start the podcast with um with the, uh, the the end of season awards um i think you know that's probably a, a decent spot before we dive headfirst into uh, into sunderland so um I don't think there were too many surprises, really, in terms of the end of season awards. I mean, uh, Brennan Johnson took home Young Player of the Season. Uh, George Grant took home the Fans and Players Player of the Season. And um, Anthony Scully took home Goal of the Season. I think the only real surprise from my point of view was was possibly Goal of the Season. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think all all deserved, all worthy winners, weren't they? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you and I have spoken about about player of the year um, on numerous occasions, I think, or certainly recently we've spoken a couple of times about it. And I think we both said that yeah, George Grant, uh, as much as you would like to be trendy and say, oh, Conor Grandles has been brilliant since coming back because he has, or, um, you know, talking about Brennan's goals and assists or Anthony Scotty's goal involvements, you know, George Grant has been player of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we felt uh, the pinch up front the lack of not the lack of creativity but um, the reduced creativity capacity when he was not in the side um, you know he's, he's been able to adapt play the deep midfield role he's played out wide on the left he's played the attacking midfield role as well so he's, he's certainly versatile uh, if you take away the penalties in terms of goals actually his goals his goals involvement has been far less than um, than, than the likes of Brennan or Anthony Scully or probably even Tom Hopper uh, but it isn't all about that um, so I, I, I think he was a, a worthy, worthy winner. Um, would, I mean, we'll, obviously we'll go through the awards, but would, would you agree? Do you think with that? Yeah, I can't. You know, I, I can't really disagree with, with choosing George's player of the season, even though he's had a bit of a spell out. I think it it shows the impact that he's had on the team this year, because when he has been out, you know, there's been a dip in form and all the rest of it. So I, I don't think really there could have been anybody else. I mean. It would be interesting to see the, the spread of votes. I think, um, uh, I think you know, the likes of um, Teo Eden has obviously had a, you know, a decent run. Um, but I, I just don't think you could really give it to anyone but George at that point. No. I, I, let me make an interesting point. And, and apologies if you just heard all sorts of shuffling. The dog just came in from his walk and decided to come in, open the door uh, and, <laughs> and say hello. So that was quite nice. And obviously, we'd, I'd do the, or, or Stacey West Reader's, rate the players um give them an average rating o- over the course of a whole season mm-hmm. uh, and it's been quite interesting because okay we haven't covered every game because we, we we were not doing it in september so in actual fact there are far fewer games um the fewer games rather than, than were played out over the whole season and, and as things stand i'm not going to give too much away but certainly you know we we've mentioned two players there um who have played kind of 35 to 40 games um, and, and are 
have got a decent score, you know, above seven. Now, there are two players who are not eligible for the Stacey West Player of the Year because they haven't played enough games, uh, but whose average ratings are actually better than um, George Grant, Conor McGrandles, Liam Bridcourt, Alex Palmer. One of them, Zach Elbazetti, uh, and and he played three games, I think, or something like that, Forest Green and the two EFL Trophy games. Mm-hmm. Um, I might be wrong about that, but I think that's right. So naturally, his score is going to be through the roof. Um 7.77 but interestingly there is a player who's played 17 games who i think would have been a big big shout for player of the year had he not been injured okay. uh, that's joe walsh mm, and in yeah, the 17 yeah. games that he's been rated his average rating is 7.18 uh, which is uh, above grant and mcgrandles who are a neck and neck the playoffs are going to separate those two players for the stacy west player of the year wow um, so, yeah, I, th- I think that's really interesting. And, and, and as you look further down, you know, that you expect to see certain names. Palmer's there, Adam Jackson's there, Harry Anderson, TJ Omer, Teo Eden, Brennan Johnson. Um, but Liam Bridcott is actually just below Grant and McGrandles as well. Now, bear in mind, he's probably played around 22 games. So actually only five more than Joe Walsh, another player who had he had a 40 game season, I think would have been a shout of player of the year. And I think that that bodes really well for the future, you know, moving away a little bit from the player of the year. But you've got two players there if they steer clear of injury will be two key players as Grant and McGrandles have been. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's... Um, that's quite interesting, you know, to, to know that uh, Walsh is tracking higher. Um, it just depends on, you know, his game time. Um, and I think obviously, we'll, you know, we'll come on to we'll come on to the games in a second. But the the, the ability that we, you know, that Michael Appleton has now to sort of sit and look at his entire squad and go, I've got to pick an 11 from this rather than I've got to pick an 11 that's fit is uh it's an, an, an enviable task isn't it it's um he's he's really got his work out to see you know what's going to happen but um, yeah, I, I actually spoke to him um yesterday mm-hmm. uh, ready for the the playoff program and that sort of thing and i asked him that question you know how tough is it going to be having to have those conversations with players uh, that are going to be left out of the squad uh, and he was quite frank and uh, it's a little bit of a spoiler for the program he said um a hell of a lot easier than it is having a conversation with my physio about which players I can't pick. Mm. And I thought, you know, it's, it, it's, it's quite right. You know, it, it, it's the sort of quandary that every fan thinks the manager's got a big choice to make, but the manager would rather have that choice than have his hand forced. And yeah, yeah it's a great, great position to be in. And, and, you know, flipping that to the young player of the year, you know, Brennan Johnson got it. Absolutely. One of the first names on the team sheet. Um, when he's good, he's very, very good. I think, you know, when he's, when he's not on form, it's probably more noticeable because of the prominence of the position that he's in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's the same with Morgan Rogers as well. You know, believe it or not, of the entire squad, uh, Morgan Rogers is in the bottom eight for average wow. ratings. Um, okay. and, and, you know, this is you, you're talking here that players who have played six games and five games over and above. But I just think that you know, it's it's interesting how fans perceive what are very, very good players, because Morgan Rogers could be a game changer. Mm. When it comes to young player of the year, I, I like the fact Brennan Johnson got it uh, because I think he's a great player. Personally, I would have given it to another lone player. Uh, I would I would like to have seen TJ Aoma get it because I think that he yeah. has been superb throughout the season. Um, he's not playing in what I would class as one of the sexy positions. 
But of the defenders and the fullbacks, Stacey West readers have got him with a higher rating than, you know, all of them who have played more than 30 odd games. Mm. I mean, I think the, um, I think the thing that you said there is that it's not in one of the sexy positions. And I think usually, um, you know, I'm not saying this is, this happens all the time because I know that, you know, the immediate response is going to be, well, we've had defenders get it before, but it's, it's rare to see um, defenders picking up, you know, um, big awards because they aren't in those, you know, headline grabbing positions. You know, obviously Brennan Johnson will get into it with, you know, a goal every now and then and an assist here and there. But I think with the defence, I mean, I don't know whether this is potentially because, um, you know, maybe we've, well, particularly from a fan's point of view, you know, maybe we've not had the view, you know, the, the full view of the pitch all the time. And, and we, we can't see what happens when, you know, the defence is off the ball and they're trying to get organised and marshaled and everything. But, you know, I'm aware that that's potentially not the case with, with TJ there because it's it's picked by the club. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, I, I wonder if that might play into it. But overall, I, I, I can't really argue too much with, with Brennan for Young Player of the Year. I mean, he's, um, I think he's developed quite well. Uh, you know, obviously Forrester... Forrester entrusting uh, us to help develop him. And I think we've done that really well because I think he seems to have um, not necessarily changed his game massively, but he definitely seems to have improved in, in certain areas. You know, I mean, obviously there was the, the running joke about if you get, you know, if he gets in the box, he's going down. Um, and I think maybe something, you know, some of the feedback, some of the, the criticism from him, uh, from that has, has sort of tempered his game a little bit. And he's now, um, he's maturing in a way that is uh, is really good to see. And I hope that, you know, I mean, we're not going to have him next season, let's be honest. Um, it, it sounds like he's either going to be back at Forest or, or another club for, you know, an eight-figure sum, if, if people are to be believed. But um, he's been fantastic for the club so far. And, um you know, hopefully we'll uh, we'll see the better of him in the next couple of games. You, you've you've just said something that made me do a little bit of research, and this is absolutely hilarious because it's not me kind of because I would almost have agreed with you. I said that TJ didn't play in a sexy position. Right since the turn of the century, how many defenders or goalkeepers do you think have won Player of the Year for Lincoln City? Or on how many occasions has a defender or goalkeeper, not sexy positions, won Player of the Year? Just off the top of your head, so that we don't have dead space. I don't on. know. Double guess. Out of how many years? Uh, since the turn of the century, so nineteen seasons. Six. Twelve. Wow. Okay. Grant Brown in two thousand and two. Paul Morgan in two thousand and three. Makumo six. Beavers oh seven. Paul Green oh eight. Rob Birch oh nine. Joe Anion in twelve. Tom Miller in fourteen. Farman in fifteen. Bradley Wood in sixteen. Neil Erdley in eighteen. Boswick in nineteen. Before that, Steve Holmes in ninety nine. Kevin Austin in ninety eight. Andy Leaning in ninety five. Matt Carmichael was playing defence, I think, in ninety two. Wallington in ninety. Tony James in eighty nine. Gary West in eighty seven. Gary Strother in eighty six. Belgate in eighty four. Thompson in 82, Peak the two years before that, Terry Cooper in 79, Grotier in 78, Ellis 77, 76, Terry Cooper in 75, George Peden in 73, John Kennedy in 70. Can you hand me that shovel? Um, I'll just keep digging. No, I, I, do you know what? I thought the same. <laughs> I genuinely thought the same. But in actual fact, it is very rare for a player uh, to 
who do, who playing up front is particularly hard. The last striker that Lincoln City had that won Player of the Year was Ashley Grimes in 2011, where you know winning Player in 2011 is is like saying you were the least mouldy round of bread in a loaf. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, it's only got three bits of mould on it. Um, so the last decent season where a striker won Player of the Year was Yeo in 2005. Mm. I find that very. I, I just I, I find it quite interesting that, um, and if other people didn't, I make no apology. I am a sad bastard. <laughs> I mean, you know, at that point, that's where my argument of you know when you can see the whole, you can see the whole pitch and everything, you can see the whole game taking place rather than the little fragment that's on your TV. That's where my argument comes into play. But I agree with you, by the way, on that. I agree with you 100% because um, obviously I was incredibly fortunate to be able to do match day live from the ground against Wimbledon. And it was unusual that people were getting quite irate uh, about certain things online saying, you know, we didn't show any, any attacking um, prowess and we looked stodgy. Yeah, actually, we didn't look that way from where I was sat because you could see the runs that were being made. And it was, mm. I actually saw more of Brennan Johnson in the 90 minutes against Wimbledon than I did, than I appreciate in 90 minutes on iFollow because Mm. you can't see the runs he's making. And a lot of the times when players find space, um, the credit should actually be going to another player because you're drawing people away. Um, I mean, we saw it against, where where was James Jones hit that ball for Scully? Was it Burton? Uh, He smashed that 60-yard pass to Scully's feet and Mark raved about it. Um, you know, th- that sort of movement from Scully doesn't always result in the ball landing at the feet. But, you know, when, when you watch an eye follow and Lewis Monsma looks for a 60 yard ping and you say, no, he's trying to force that. He's not. Mm. It, it's worked. You can see the, the training ground. Yeah. Yeah. You, and, and when you're there physically, you can see that movement, which is great. Yeah. So, well, I mean, you know, it's it's something that I, I'm very hyper aware of it when I'm watching the match on, on telly because I'm thinking, right, well, what's happening off screen that I can't see. And that's why I'm, you know, I try and temper any criticisms I have sometimes because, you know, sometimes things will be, you know, necessary, but sometimes you would, like you said, you will see those things. You, you don't see those things, sorry, happening off screen. You think, well, okay, there's, there's obviously more going on here than we're aware of. So, um, but right. Yeah. I mean, then I think the, you know, golden boot was obviously a stats based one, which I'm sure you loved. Um, well, and then, it's, it's- it's not it's not that technically really, you know, it's just amount of goals. If they awarded the golden XG, I would be delighted with the golden XG. And I, I might sure. do that. Do you know I'm what? Pre- we should do that. We'll do that on the Stacey West. Before the end of the season, I'll go through every single player and we'll award the Stacey West Golden XG Award. Sponsored by Jack Mulhall. Yeah, well, I don't know if we can <laughs> I don't think he'll sponsor it. I don't think we'll get anything out of Jack um for that but jackie if you do want to sponsor it i i like clockwork orange from Brewdog. um so uh, you can get my address <laughs> probably by a, a relatively small amount of digging um so yeah let me know and we'll you can sponsor the award um, there'll be no physical manifestation of that we'll just talk about it on here but you know i can i can make an award i can 3d print an award oh good could you paint it in like that gold that you did the ground in i really like that yeah i can do that and then if you send it to me and I'll be sure not to uh, <laughs> my collection, I won the Golden XG Award. <laughs> you should have, right, we'll do that. We'll do that now. You've just committed to it. You can make a Golden XG Award. We'll work out which player had. Uh, shall we make it about XG or who had 
better goal return to his XG return? I, I'll be honest with you guys, I don't care. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Well, I'll, I'll do it all because it fascinates me. And then we'll send it to the club. You'll have to put the player's name on it and we'll send it to the club. They've won the Stacey West Gold and XG Award. Oh, Deary me. And then I want an award for um, best presenter on the Stacey West. If possible. Well, please. I mean, second best. I can paint one in silver and one in gold. No, it's it's definitely best. I asked Rachel, and um, yeah, but definitely... yeah, because she doesn't like me, guys. She's my wife. <laughs> yeah, but I asked Fee, and she said me as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's because your partner likes you. <laughs> Don't be so sure. Um, <laughs> she's just been pulling faces at me through the window while she's been gardening. Oh dear! Uh, goal of the season, then. Which which would you pick? I personally would have picked Morgan Rogers' goal. Um, I said it at the time, and uh, I said it when uh, you know when I joined you and Sam on Match Day Live. I think the the vision and the way that the ball just nestles in the in the net is so satisfying because um, it Is just that it's Ipswich? the Ipswich one or the Rochdale one. Uh, I think it was the Ipswich one where it was it was from distance and it kind of top right corner and it just nestles and rolls back. Um, it was yeah, it was it was the second goal in the um, the second of his goals in the in the list. Um, but yeah, I mean that was a beautiful strike, and it, it, it to me that was you know that was goal of the season. It was just the way that it was uh, put together. I mean to be fair, the four that were there, they were all de- you know really good finishes and you know well worked goals. I think the one that seems to get a little bit less credit for me was Tom Hoppers against Wigan. Um, the vision from George Grant to play the ball through to him in the first place was phenomenal. Um, and the, the speed at which the attack move was really impressive. And then obviously the finish um, was right out of the top draw, you know, just really nice sweeping finish into the top right, uh, top right-hand corner. Couldn't really complain about that one at all. Um, but I mean, the one that won was, uh, was Anthony Scully's goal against Peterborough. Um, and I know you said, I think that was one of your favorite games of the season. Yeah, it was my favorite. No, it was my favorite moment of the season. That's it, favorite, favorite moment. That's the one because yeah. we qualified for the playoffs. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, if you said you'll go to Peterborough, uh, three games or two games from the end of the season, secure a playoff place with a three-all draw, uh, you would take it. So it, it wasn't my favorite moment because we should have won the game. You know, we should have been four-one up. It should have been. A, a huge win but at the same time it was more for what it signified in terms of goals I mean Scully's was brilliant I think it's got voted in one because it's fresher in people's minds mm-hmm. uh, and two uh, I mean it was a great goal by the way uh, but two because of who it was against as well uh, you know if you ask me about goal of the season last season I don't know who won it but I'm damn sure George Grant's free kick against Peterborough would be close he scored a similar free kick against Wigan this season and it wasn't particularly noted um, and, and when you think about the goals that Tyler Walker scored against Ipswich last season as well you know, it's it's the ones against the clubs who you're closest to that stick out I think mm. um, I, I'm going to shock you now um, I agree with you I think Morgan Rogers' goal against Ipswich was the goal of the season uh, because it was pure individual brilliance you know he mm-hmm. surged he's picked the ball up He's gone forward, he's beaten players, he's worked his own space. There was a couple of underrated goals. I think it was Forrest Green where there was a little back heel and there was two there was two back heels in the, in a goal. Was that late? Yeah, it was two, two back Green? heels in the build-up, yeah. Uh, that was a great goal. The one Mark Hone talks about with the 60-yard ping from James Jones to Anthony Scully was, was a great goal as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we've, we've been blessed with some tremendous goals this season. There's a couple that Brennan scored. 
uh, that were great teamwork. One against MK Dons, where Morgan Rogers has fed him in and it's come out from the from the far side. You know, goals that would have won goals of the season in in twenty or thirty other seasons at Lincoln City that don't even get mentioned. So. Yeah, no, it was um, just fantastic set of uh, goals to round the the awards out. And I think, um, yeah, that was um, that was the, the evening really, wasn't it? It was a yeah. Yeah, decent decent showing, I thought, and um, it was nice to see. It was nice to see all the players, you know, having the the, the slight little bits of banter when they could over the uh, over the Zoom chats and stuff like that as well. So, um, I, I confess, I didn't watch it. Oh, okay, I wasn't on it. so... Um, you know, <laughs> but you don't watch stuff that you are on, so <laughs> no. Uh, no. To be honest, Joe, you know I just it was I'd just been that busy that I just got a little bit of time to spend with Fee, and I did. Um, and I'm sure it was great, and I may take the time to watch it back because I think the, the work that the club put into these sorts of presentations were brilliant. But mm. you know, I, I find it I found it very very hard this last week more than ever. Um, not being at the ground, I think because I went to the Wimbledon games, I was so so lucky to be able to go to that. And then, you know, I know we'll come on to it, but the, the ticket scrap and and the the discussions on social media and it's just really got to me. And memories have started popping up, you know, presentation nights of the past and and things like that. And you just think, wow, yeah. you know, it's been such a brilliant season, but it would have just been spine tingling, spine tingling to have been there. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, right, just before we. Uh, just before we carry on, uh, while I remember, uh, I would like to plug something. Okay. I'm doing it now. One, because if people turn off before the end, they won't miss it. And two, we won't get to the end and I won't forget it. But I've been <laughs> asked to plug it for Jamie Shaw, uh, right. who's a, a Lincoln fan. And he messaged me and it started, now you are a fellow runner. Jamie, don't go that far, mate. Honestly. <laughs> um, yeah, I I, I can run from here uh, uh, 400 metres up the road and then I stop. Uh, what Jamie is doing is 147 miles non-stop on the Viking Way. So, you know, wow. there's quite a bit of difference. It's like saying that I'm a racing driver because I reverse off my drive, uh, whereas <laughs> Lewis Hamilton does a full season. Um, so, yeah, he's doing that. The donation is to be split. Um, and I've just got to log into the web page between Sleaford Town FC, where I believe Jamie is the first team manager, um, and Liam Hargrave and Hannah Laidler's campaign after the tragic loss of their baby girl. Um, so he is uh, yeah, really attempting to walk, run and walk the 147 miles of the Viking Way from the Humber to Oakham. Uh, the plan is to take 40 hours, which, Jesus, 40 hours. I can't run for 40 minutes. So he's he's doing it, obviously, to help keep, keep Sleaford Town afloat with the um, COVID uh issue uh, of late which you know for small teams um that's a yeah, when i say small teams that's not meant to sound um you know, condescending but a lot of non-league teams have really struggled uh and then obviously after the tragic stillbirth of their daughter ayla um they're, they're raising awareness and break the silence on baby loss as well so look really really important that people do get behind this uh i can't find the name he's on just giving so you can find jamie um on twitter uh jamie's handle on twitter is at jt shaw esq 1979 um and all the details on there uh, for you to be able to go to just giving and help him raise his target so yeah good luck jamie very worthy cause and yeah absolutely all the best jamie hopefully uh you know hopefully you can pull in as much as you possibly can for that because it's um yeah 
that's uh, really really good stuff um other thing that we do need to plug as well because i kind of promised chris that we would um before we get into the sunderland pre- uh, previews is the Imptoons yearbook yeah it's bloody brilliant isn't it? i've i've yet to see i've yet to see much that's that's uh, happening in it but uh yeah sam's sam asked if we could uh, put a little plug on the podcast sam chris well sorry there you go bloody hell even giving even giving his brother a shout out um yeah chris asked if we could put a little plug together in the podcast so here it is um go and get it because i think the he put a premium pre-order up i think the other day for 25 quid um and then the rest of them i think are going to be a fiver Um, i think this year it all goes to the club doesn't it yes yeah i think again for the to help with the 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 not covid relief but the you know the, the aftermath of what has been a thoroughly awful year um now i have actually been lucky and i hope chris doesn't mind me saying that but he does send me a preview um of some of the cartoons that have not been not made it and he's brilliant because every time he talks about him tunes he always goes it's my you know gary encouraged me blah 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 you know he did me a brilliant cartoon which i put in the deranged ferret and went down an absolute treat and then he kept saying you want another one and i was like yeah obviously um (laughs) And then he's like, wow, it's such encouragement. Encouragement. Your, his work is brilliant. It's very, mm. very, very funny. Um, very talented man. A, a very unique um, a unique type of fan content that I haven't seen anywhere else uh, and a very unique skill. So definitely worth buying. Probably more so than my end of season book, which I will do. But, you know, it's nowhere near as funny. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you try and spot the spelling mistakes, then it's hilarious. <laughs> And time-consuming as well. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what do you well, mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just. I mean, I'm sure it's time-consuming to, to spell check it all. You know. No, spell. No, not me looking for them. People looking for it when it's published. That's why I took my A to Z off the market because I found so many errors in it after I published it. I was embarrassed. Was it a, like instead of A to Z? Was it like an A to question mark because you mistyped it? No, not that bad. No, <laughs> Okay. I, I'm serious. I, I wrote it and published it in three months, um, and, and when I read it back, you could tell. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay, so obviously, you know, big game this week, um, and fans are back in the stadiums. I don't know if you watched the FA Cup final yesterday, guys, but it was uh, it was spine tingling at times. Not going to lie. Um, when the goal went in, um, you know, for Leicester, I. I was genuinely taken aback at the roar that greeted it because it was just fantastic to hear, you know, actual fans back in and not FIFA sound effects being played over and over again. Um, But we're back in the stadium on Wednesday, you know, fans, um, the season ticket holders raffle or not the raffle, sorry, the the ballot. Um, The raffle was something entirely different, which I'm sure you'll mention before the end of the podcast. Um, Oh, okay, fair enough. I thought you'd, you'd be, you know, on your piss-taking guns. Nope. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the ballot happened and, um, you know, obviously 3,145, I think it is, the capacity. Um, not everybody would have gotten in. And unfortunately, you know, that's the way that it went. Um, I think Liam said beforehand there was about 4,000 that would be eligible for it or just over 4,000. So while it's not going to be a huge comfort, I think... You know, people will probably say there weren't that many that missed out, but even so, you know, it would have been horrible to do so. I mean, I, I I'm fortunate enough that I got mine, and I know you got yours sorted as well through the ballot. Um, 
and yeah, it's uh, it's it's an exciting moment when you realise that we're going to be back in the ground for a football match on Wednesday, isn't it? Yeah, I'm going to start with um, picking up on the point that you made there about some people missed out enough. I haven't put on social media anywhere that I've got a ticket. I haven't put, I can't wait to get back in the ground because it feels wrong. Um, it feels wrong to me and it's not the club's fault. Uh, it's, it's you know, I'll, I'll say circumstance. I actually think it's the government's fault because I think we could safely get the 4,000 people who had season tickets into the ground. I think it's vastly unfair that some have had to miss out and you know just sat here now off the top of my head I know two for instance um Kev McCarthy uh, and m- my good friend Roy uh, Roy Thompson neither have got tickets mm-hmm. and you know it, bre- it when I say it breaks my heart that sounds kind of virtue signaling you know uh, look it, it's hard it, it's put in my mind it's it, it's created this situation and it's a natural thing that's happened and um, you can't get away from it but it's just created a really uncomfortable situation where i feel guilty because i've got a ticket and that's not people going oh look at gary isn't he trying to be nice i'm not i mm. i know roy roy has been going to watch lincoln longer than me and time you've been going to watch the club doesn't it doesn't matter those that only came for the last three or four years have got tickets because their season ticket oh there's that i'm not i'm not saying that because certain people have been going longer, they deserve tickets. You know, you've got Roy, who is a lifelong Lincoln fan, who has travelled all over the country to watch Lincoln, um, you know, who has financially supported the club in other ways, which I wouldn't be as crass to talk about. But you've got somebody like that that misses out. And I'm not saying that he deserves a ticket over anybody else or anybody else deserves a ticket over him. I'm just making the fact that he, him missing out, I know how that must feel. And it's mm. the same with... Uh, Kev McCarthy, who I don't know fantastically well. I know more through social media. We've just had a, you know, a bit of a, a chat and he's been very magnanimous about it. And somebody had to miss out and I understand it's me. But I know what that pain is like. You know, I, I, I've i said it before. I missed out on the Exeter game um, at Sinselband because I just had my back operation. I know what it's like watching your team at home when everybody else is at the ground. It stings. I missed it. Ipswich when we beat them 5-3 because I'd been bunged up and all that. I couldn't go. Just watching Sinselbank full was hard. Watching Sinselbank partially full when you haven't been able to go for a year and it's been a part of your life every season for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Mm. It's going to be you know, an immeasurable pain. And I'm going to be entirely honest, if it were me, um, I'd be a mardy bastard about it. And there would be every chance that I, up until the game, I would be saying things like, I'm not going to watch it because I'd feel so spiteful and twisted because that's me. I would be gutted to have missed it. Um, but I also just underline, you know, a lot of people were saying things to me like, well, you'll be all right because you do match day live or the club will sort you out or something like that. I would never have dreamt of that. If I'd missed out on the ballot, I would my hand on my heart. I wouldn't have gone to the club and said, but I do this. Can you squeeze me in? Mm. Or do you know what I mean? Because it's not about that. It doesn't matter what you do. I get I do match day live. Fair enough. I write a program piece. Fair enough. I do do bits and bobs for the club. But it doesn't therefore mean that I'm any better than somebody who doesn't do that, but yeah. who does support the club in their own way. So, you know, I feel incredibly fortunate to have got a ticket um, and I'm going home to the Stacey West. You know, it's a long way from where I normally sit, but it, it's it seats facing the pitch. And that's 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 an incredible honour. Uh, but you know, we should all be excited as a fan base. I just feel desperately, desperately sorry for those that, that are not going to be there. Um, but, yeah, you know, uh, to answer your question, it's great that we're going going to be in the ground. I, I'm, I'm going to. um politely kind of step away from the question now because I don't want to wax lyrical about how fantastic it's going to be because I'm aware that there are members of the Imps family who are not so you know 
it's going to be a great occasion for the club. Um, yeah. And all I'll say is those that missed out, um, Wembley, you'll get priority. Uh, and I you know, sincerely hope that everybody who who was unsuccessful in the ballot still has an opportunity to watch Lincoln City before the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, just to just to echo what you've said there, I think, you know, the the, the sort of be all and end all of it is if, I, you know, if we'd have got those emails on Friday saying, sorry, you've not been successful. Like the, the fact is, and I don't think, you know, I don't think you'll mind me sharing this, but, you know, me and you both have Liam's mobile number and it would be quite easy for me to send a quick text just saying, oh, I've missed out on the ballot. You know, is there any chance and have that, you know, even start to have that discussion. But I wouldn't dream of it because, you know, I know that that would be abusing a, a position which uh, some people might see, you know, what we have as a um, as a fortunate position. And, and I would agree with them to, a, you know, to a point we have great access to the club. We have great access to um to, to people within the club that are able to you know facilitate things for the podcast for the blog and for everything else but i wouldn't dream of it because you know the ballot was there for the point of we can have this many people in the ground and they've made those draws and they've said right that's it you know in terms of the restrictions and everything else and i would not want for one second to try and leverage any sort of position that i've got as quote unquote media even though i don't see myself as media i would not want to do that at all and take away a, a ticket from somebody that you know could be could be going there that you know desperately wants to be there yeah. um you know to be fair i've actually had a media pass all season i could have applied to have gone to any home game all this season as media um and, and at times you know that was mentioned to me by terry before he left um and charlie as well well you've got a media pass mm. i haven't used it i haven't used it because I just it just feels wrong, and I know that some people who have gone every week have felt immense guilt. Well, Bob's has felt immense guilt of being able to go to games when fans haven't, um, and you know that that guilt around supporting your football team is is, is circumstantial. It's, it's created by a um, by a, a wider force, uh, but it's just not nice. Uh, yeah, we'll all be back together again soon, where we can, you know put this whole limps as one thing to one side and start slagging off the bloke who sits two seats in front of us because he doesn't <laughs> understand how good uh, Conor McGrandles really is or you know, another guy who used to sit a little bit in front of us who used to call Alex Woodyard every week call him black and blue when he got player of the year I think you booed <laughs> I mean I, I do just want to say one thing before we move on to the game which is obviously the most important thing if you do you know if you have been fortunate enough to uh, to, to get a ticket in the ballot and you are moaning that your seat is crap, get in the sea. Just, I cannot imagine the sense of entitlement that people have got to even start to complain about, oh, well, I've got a ticket, but it's a crap seat. Like, yeah, but you're in the ground. Like, there, there are at least, you know, a thousand people that didn't, that, that were eligible to do so, but can't do. You know, there are thousands more that would kill to give you or to have your seat regardless of where it is i don't care if you know i wouldn't have cared if i'd got my ticket and it was you know behind a pillar in the st andrews or the solenity stand yeah I wouldn't, it's not though is it well no it's you're not in, you're in upper five are you i am great, and i'm great seat isn't it? i am very fortunate to have that seat <laughs> thanks for that i wasn't going to mention that but no you know what i mean like if if i'd have had a seat behind a pillar i wouldn't have moaned because i'm in the ground I know, I know. You know, it's, it's <laughs> seeing people seeing people moan about that. 
it's it's ridiculous and i just can't i can't get my head around the logic but i'm actually i mean i'm actually quite excited to be back in the states west because as a season ticket holder obviously i've been in the um the co-op and it, yeah it is a great view and it's a, it's a better view mm. from the side of the pitch you do see more of the game um but it's just something altogether fitting i think about um about going into the the stacy west so uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. And if you're listening, and and there are people who are in the ground and are not wearing a mask, the point I'm just going to say is you don't know what anybody's individual circumstances are. And I just think that for this game, just live and let live. You know, mm. if somebody's not wearing a mask, that it's not the sort of situation. This is this is a wider thing. It's not the sort of situation where I don't. I think people are going to try and and, and take advantage. Um, you know, I just think live and let live let's concentrate on the football and not on who's sat two rows in front at the side or at the back and um, you know and if you're not exempt wear a mask if you are exempt then you, you shouldn't feel guilty for being so so yeah no fair enough but if anyone coughs on me i will punch him in the face um right let's move on mm. to the actual game then Ooh, what um, if i'm in this sort of mood where i quite fancy a fight well i know it's not, you. That, not that i ever am <laughs> <laughs> i was to say i know it's you so <laughs> you know well so you would still push punch me well no i'd never punch you oh great so what if i cough in your face i'd kick you in the dick Ooh, but how would you find it have you got big feet because you need it (laughs) can we talk about the game please rather than my genitals yeah fine (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i mean obviously you know been a lot of uh, a lot of previews going around a lot of uh people talking about the playoffs and uh the, the sort of wider picture um i think what we're probably going to do is preview this game uh then because gaz is uh, heading away uh we're well, going to try people might break in i'm not going anywhere okay well you've yeah, got your you've, you've got your neighbor with a shotgun next door so yeah well yeah i mean they're not that he would want to do it with a shotgun it's funny he came around actually last night we broke covid rules because uh, i opened my bar two nights early um and they uh, they came around last night for some games of pool, and I was telling him about how he gets mentioned on the podcast, uh, and he loved it. Yeah, he loved nice. It. Yeah, he there said that he said if I set bells up around the house uh, or, or or alarms, which we've got on certain areas anyway, and he hears one going off, he would absolutely relish the chance of coming around with his array of homemade weapons. Uh, <laughs> and 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 you know, you laugh at that as if I'm joking. I'm not. Um, you know, I'm, I'm genuinely not. The other week he did make a battle axe. Um, wow yeah yeah he, he made me an axe once yeah he makes homemade weapons i need to meet this guy gadgets. well I, there we go yeah you already have haven't you did you not meet frenchy think i briefly did i can't remember but anyway look football yes yeah, yeah football we've got a match that yeah. we're going to yeah and it's against a team that they are very quick to point out we haven't beaten this season we've played three mm-hmm. times and you know, we've had six goals against two, four. So I'm almost loath to ask, how do you see it going? Because it's it's almost like those one-off games. Well, it is. They are one-off games, but you know, it's almost like the cup games when you say, well, form goes out the window and all the rest of it because everybody's just focused on these two games. But possibly, possibly, possibly not. Bristol Rovers, 2006-07, no form went out the window then. They came in form and they kicked her ass twice. Oh, that's very true. Grimsby, 2005-06, with the in-form side, they beat us twice. Um, so form doesn't particularly go out of the window. Uh, and if it doesn't, 
then we're in luck because they've won one in nine, lost four of those games. We've won four in nine and lost just two. When you think one of those defeats was Hull City, which, you know, we, we were probably better in that game. And the mm-hmm. other was Charlton where we played a reserve team. Actually, we were on a very good run of form. Um, so I, I'm not going to um, not going to look too much into that even though it points in our favour, because yes, there is an element of of who can cope better. What I would say about the previous games that we've played, in two of those, Sunderland played 4-3-3. I think in the other one, they played a 4-1-4-1 or a 4-4-1-1. They're now playing a 4-2-3-1. So they're actually going to come to us with a slightly different setup. And I think that we're going to match up a little bit better in this game than we have done in the past. We've also got to remember is they're very, very short on defenders. Um, Luco Nine has been playing centre half and he's been doing so relatively well, but has been caught out a, a few times. Tom Flanagan may be back and may be fit, but he hasn't had a single minute. So it would be a big risk to stick him in from the start, which they may have to take. The other defenders, Bailey Wright. Uh, who who was at Bristol City. So I think that's really interesting. They then have Josh Scowan and Max Power playing um, the, the, the double fours in front of the, uh, the back four. Wasn't impressed with Scowan um, in, in the game against us earlier in the season, but he has played to a very good level. Uh, and I do like Max Power. But again, you know, these names are relatively big names, but means nothing. They've played all season in, in League One and, and yes, they finished above us, but not by a, a huge amount. And plus, you know, we won 22 games. They won 20 over the course of the season. So they, they are better, let's say, at not getting beaten. But I mm-hmm. think when we've got our full team in, you know, we're probably better at being able to go forward and win games. So I think that's really in, uh, interesting. Uh, I've picked up a couple of key players for them. Um, over the last couple of weeks uh, and I picked up a couple of interesting matchups that I'm really uh, interested in as well so are you happy if I just keep talking yeah yeah by all means good I just I, I didn't want it to just be the the Gary show this little bit I wanted to yeah <laughs> yeah no by talk. all means man um, so first of all, uh, McGee, Ada McGeady actually has been rested for a couple of weeks now. Obviously, Ada McGeady is, is is a player that if he plays, he's going to be a main danger man for them. Him serving things up for Charlie Wyke on a plate has been a, a, you know, a real focus of Sunderland's decent run that got them into this position before they tailed off. But when he hasn't played, they've had a lad called Jordan Jones on loan from Rangers. Quite like the look of Jones. I think he's he's an interesting prospect. Um, he certainly started in their one-all draw with Northampton, um, which was their final game of the season. So he started on the left uh, with Jack Diamond on the right and Lyndon Gooch through the middle. And McGeady came on, I think, at half time. I expect McGeady to start. That if he's not firing or if he's not entirely fit, Jordan Jones is going to be a real um, a real diamond for them. And the other diamond is literally Jack. Uh, he scored quite early on against us in the 4-0 defeat at Cinsel Bank. Um, been in and out of the side a little bit. I like him. Uh, he's come through their youth academy. Now, Scun- uh, Scunthorpe, Sunderland have got a phenomenal youth academy, really. It's, it's still Premier League quality. They've produced players who've played regularly in League One this season, including George Honeyman, Ethan Robson, Elliot Embleton. Um, so that you know they've, they've got a really really good pedigree jack diamond's one of the latest off the the conveyor belt so again um you know with, with him starting potentially on the right hand side it's an interesting form of attack uh, i think that we will go paul and eden at fullbacks when it comes to um specific uh, weaknesses 
I'm just not sure. I've picked Jones and Diamond as the two players who I think you know we, we may have to look out for, certainly McGeady and Diamond. But then it's there's a lot of emphasis on their fullbacks. Now, Conor McLaughlin is one of those fullbacks. He'll play right back, so he will be probably backing up Jack Diamond. I'm, I'm not convinced about Conor McLaughlin. Um, watched him a couple of times uh, against us, and he, uh, at times I thought he was just a little bit... A little bit pedestrian, um, and certainly, you know, if that's their right hand side, if we're then attacking them at pace down the left hand side, as we obviously have seen Bramall do, but certainly Eden and um, Morgan Rogers are capable of linking up. If we can tie him up in the defensive role, then it might make it a little bit difficult for them to get out and get to Diamond. Um, mm-hmm. So that that's that's one potential issue that I think the key matchups for me are obviously um, I'm going to go Regan Paul on Aidan McGeady if McGeady starts. Uh, keep it, if he starts keeping him quiet is the key to winning the game. If you don't do that well, uh, you, you don't win the game. And I seem to think the one all draw, um, whether in, in the league, I seem to think Paul did a really good job of keeping McGeady quiet. Yeah, he did. I mean, I, I remember that. I remember us having that conversation after the fact and saying, you know, that um, you know, McGeady didn't have too many chances to get the ball in so that, you know, that you can have that typical white header from a McGeady cross. Yeah, um, and I think he did really well with that. So I think you're right on that. If we can keep him quiet, might stand a chance. Yeah, it, it's one of the areas. The other really interesting battle for me is going to be Lyndon Gooch and Leon Bridcock. Bridcock's going to certainly sit in front of the back four. Whether we whether we go the double fours with Bridcock and Conor McGrandles and George Grant playing ahead in a four two three one, or or go for the like four one four one that we usually play, um, will be interesting. But I think if Bridcock can keep Gooch quiet as well. He's really going to be the conduit for the ball coming from side to side. Um, if Bridcock does keep him quiet, then it's going to make Sunderland's approach look not one-dimensional because they can go down either flank. But I think a Bridcock can win that battle, and then that can cut. You know, that kind of forces the ball out wide. It kind of spreads the play a little bit, and the wider the play is, I think, the more likely we are to be able to implement our game, whether that's a fast counter attack or not. And the mm. final battle. Is those centre halves? Is Bailey Wright and Luco Nine whether Flanagan's fit or not? Because I think um, the way to rattle a team who was suffering from an injury crisis is to get at that area. You know, it's like if you're a fighter and you know a player has got, uh, you know, your opposition, your opponent rather has got a black eye, you keep punching the black eye because eventually it's going to cause more damage than it does punching the good eye. Mm-hmm. So if they've got that weak spot, Tom Hopper's going to be massive because mm-hmm. if he can occupy one of those. Uh, and it depends which one, then we can isolate isolate the other. So let's say that he, he tries to occupy Luke 09. Now, if 09 can't handle Hopper, then we have our opportunity. If Bailey Wright comes across to handle Hopper and does so, then you've got 09 who you can isolate with Brennan Johnson running from deep or George Grant looking to spread the play. So how we occupy their centre-halves is going to be really interesting as well. Um, I think, you know, when we play teams who play three at the back in the 3-5-2, I think that that's when we tend to have a striker who looks isolated, whether it's Morton or Tom Hopper, who will be this week. Um, mm. But I think, you know, 4-4-2 against two uh, two central defenders, one of which is a natural right back or a natural full back. I think there's a lot of um, a, a lot of potential there uh, for, for us to steal an advantage. So when you add all of that up, um, along with the uh, with the form, with the expectation that is being placed on them as well, I think that as much as any other playoff semi final we've ever played, potentially bar Macclesfield in 0405, um, I think we've got a chance. Mm. I mean, there's there's just been so much um, 
so much sort of discussion around this this week um where people are saying you know that it's it's an interesting tie it's the most fascinating tie of the round i i genuinely can't call it and that's that's trying to look at it as objectively as possible i know obviously looking at you know through through um the lens of a lincoln city fan you're always going to back your team to win but it's it's those battles like you said if if we can keep mcgeady quiet um and if they if they don't switch to that three at the back because that three at the back like you said we all i think we've struggled i mean particularly well particularly when harry anderson was inside we struggled to break down that you know a, a back three um and whether they decide to drop back to that or whether they do stick with the you know four at the back i don't know but um yeah it's i think it's just going to be a fascinating game of football um i really can't wait to see how it goes i mean what what would your if, if you were to pick your starting 11 right now what would you go with I'd go with Alex Palmer in goal, Teo Eden at left back, Regan Poole at right back, TJ Ioma and Joe Walsh in the centre of defence, Liam Bridgecut just in front of them, Grant and McGrandles in the attacking midfield roles, Rogers, Hopper and Johnson up front. I don't think I would say much different to that. You'd um, probably play Monsmore over Ioma, would you not? Possibly. I mean, it, you know, the thing is, Montsmore and Ioma have been fantastic over the past few games, and it's it's hard to it's hard to sort of justify in a way dropping either of them. But you've got to for Joe Walsh. I know you, that's what I mean. You've got to when Joe Walsh is fit. So um, it's a really tough call, and it's a really difficult one to 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 make. But I think the other the other thing I might potentially say is to have the pace of Cohen Bramall at left back, but you can't leave Taylor Adam out of the team. Well, you can if you want the pace of Bramall. That, 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 they're the choices that the manager has to make. I've gone for Eddie yeah. because I, I don't think that the home leg will be as much about as hitting them on the counter-attack. I think yeah, that's the fair. away leg is more likely to be. And in the mm-hmm. away leg, potentially with it being just you know Wednesday to Saturday, I think that one or two of the key positions could change. So Bramall could then come in. Um, yeah, no, one, of, one of the centre-backs could change. I, I don't think that will change Bridcut Grant and McGrandles. Don't no. think we'll take change Johnson Hopper and Rogers. Don't think Paul is in any danger at right back. Uh, and potentially Joe Walsh could be. Potentially it might be Monsmore and Ioma. It depends on Walsh's fitness. Mm. Um, so, but it, yeah, it, it's, it's a strong Lincoln City side or, or squad that we've had to pick from. There's going to be players who miss out. Harry Anderson, I think, will probably not make the 16. Um, I, I wonder if we might not see Harry in the Lincoln shirt again, personally. I would be gutted if that's the case. Um, because, you know, the thing is, we've said this before, he's, he's what, 24? Yeah. 24 got, in January, I think. Yeah, you know, he's got... A, he's, he's still relatively fresh in his career you know he's got a long way to go and we'd get nothing for him if he don't get a new deal absolutely 24 but if he doesn't he doesn't you know what um last summer more than ever taught me that what happens isn't necessarily going to lead to the conclusion that you feel it's going to mm-hmm. and when i saw neil Erdley and when i saw michael boswick leave not neil Erdley as such when i saw bozzy leave I thought we're not going to have a spine. We're not going to have the strength. We're going to be young. We're going to get turned over. That yeah, they, they were at the back of my mind. That wasn't my opinion. That was my fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and it hasn't happened. So you know, if Harry moves on, 
um, I will be genuinely gutted because he's a top, top lad. He really is. And, uh, you know, how quiet we've got to talking about this now, I don't know. Um, it's probably my <laughs> fault. Um, but, you know, if he doesn't, then brilliant. If he stays and fights for his place and works his contract out, I think he would be a, a, a handy player to have in League One. If we go up to the Championship, there might be one or two other tough decisions to make uh, as well. Well, you know, hopefully everything all works out and we can keep who we need to keep. And hopefully that will include uh, you and Mr. Anderson. But I, I as I said, I, I genuinely can't call this game. I'm, I am so excited to see what happens because I think, like you said, Sunderland, while form is, is potentially something that I'm not taking too much stock in. And the fact is that, you know, they are in a bad run of it. We are on the opposite side of that. I think, I think had we, I think had we Pete had we beaten Peterborough, um, I think the last two games would have been very very different results, um, and we would be going into the playoffs with uh, with our tails up and with you know possibly two more wins in that uh, in that run of form, but and possibly more injuries as well. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you know, I know that you, you're going to bring that one back and, and say, well, I was right, and maybe. No, I'm not going to say I was right. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> just just let just know that it's festering away in my mind a little bit um but like yeah you know i think it's going to be a very interesting game of football and i'm i'm going to be convincing everybody that i know who follows top flight football and doesn't really care about league one football to say you should probably give this a watch on wednesday because it might well be a cracker um so watch it be a boring nil nil i think that's probably yeah, yeah. How, how do you genuinely at this point, how do you see it going? I see it going uh, Lincoln City win in the first leg 2-1 um, because I think we'll be bang up for it. And I think with fans in the ground, it will make a difference. Um, mm. And I, 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 I can just see, I think one or two of our players are the sort of players who play up the supporters. Um, okay. Brennan Johnson, Morgan Rogers. I think they're the they've got that youthful arrogance in a good way that um, plays up for supporters. The only two games this season where there've been supporters in the ground was the EFL Trophy against Shrewsbury and the um, away game at Northampton. Uh, mm-hmm. And Lincoln City won both of those games four one. And I think Brennan got two against Northampton. And mm-hmm. he celebrated both of them in front of the Northampton fans, even if those fans in the ground are not your fans. You know, footballers are performers and one or two footballers or a certain type of footballer performs to a crowd. Whether that crowd is booing them or whether he's cheer, whether they're cheering them, you rise to the occasion. And I, I think we have one or two players who um, who are like that. I certainly think Johnson and Rogers are. Um, I think that they are the sort of, you know, that, that will get buoyed by a, a cheer. And, and we've had them in the past. You think about... Um, uh, Bozzy, you know, he wasn't the sort who would play to the crowd, but he was the one whose game would play to the crowd. You know, he would throw a thunderous tackle in, and you could just see that, you know, he was being driven by the fans as much as the fans were being driven by the tackle. It was like this mutually beneficial relationship that just created a, an atmosphere. Um, and and I can see that. I I hope if, for instance, Sunderland were to take an early lead that the fans stay with us because I think that there is an element of if your own fans get on your back, uh, that can be a problem. But no, I, I can see us winning it at Link at Sinsel Bank. Uh, and then I, that would be a very, very interesting second leg at the stadium alike. 
Absolutely. And I think the other thing to mention really is in terms of the pressure, because the pressure is all on Sunderland. You know, I, I don't think anybody within, you know, within Lincoln City is sitting there heaping pressure onto the players saying, we're des- you know, we have to get out of this league. We've, we've absolutely got to get out of this league. Because, you know, I, I don't think anybody would have predicted that we'd be in the playoffs at the start of the season. But the fact is, we are. And it's it's bloody phenomenal. You know, whatever happens over the next two, hopefully three games, it's been an incredible season. But the thing is, Sunderland are so desperate to get out of this division. I just wonder if that's going to play into the minds of the players a little bit. Do you know how many times we've won in the playoffs? And I think there's been 14 playoff games. Three. In total. Yeah, three wins. And, you know, two of those came in the only season where I don't think there was any pressure at all. Yeah. Because there wasn't. There was no pressure in 2002-03. It was a similar position to now. Not the you know, administration and all that, but at the beginning of this season, yeah, okay, you would say that you would have taken 20th. Mm-hmm. And avoiding relegation, the truth is probably we would have taken twelve upwards as as, mm-hmm. a, as a you know as an achievement. Um, but yeah, there's no pressure, there's no expectation. But for me, if we don't go up, it makes next season harder because suddenly Lincoln City are one of the teams that are expected to be there. We yeah. are expected to beat Bolton and Cambridge and Cheltenham. Um, and, and once that happens, you can see a, a negative effect. You look at Oxford's start to the season, they had a very, very difficult start. Fleetwood were very highly tipped this season and that didn't happen. And I know we're looking ahead a little bit. Um, so I, I do buy the fact that the lack of expectation is or is a good thing. And when I say the lack of expectation, I think all Lincoln fans expect us to go into this game and perform well against Sunderland. And I think all Lincoln City fans genuinely expect that if we play to the best of our ability in both of these games, we will win them. Mm. Um, but I think the expectation is the wider picture. So I'm not sure if the pressure will get to Sunderland. I mean, I, I, again, spoke to Michael about the pressure and, you know, he kind of said, well, they should have the players to cope with that because they've got players that have been in this position time and again, and they've got an experienced squad. So they, they shouldn't be taking that pressure. Um, mm. But it might be, you know, does the manager feel the pressure? So if it's nil nil at Sinsel Bank, does he go for the win early doors and bring somebody on? Do you know what I mean? It, it, mm. There's so many. They are like cup games, and there are so many different permutations. I don't buy it entirely that it's different to a league game. I just think it's different to a league game in the middle of December. But it's no different to going into a final game of the season like we did against Yeovil a couple of years ago, needing to get a point. It's no different to that. But one thing I'll assure you is I think Michael's Lincoln City will try and win both games. Mm, and I think yeah. if we're one nil up from the first leg, I don't think you'll see us go and have a different approach in the second leg. We yeah. will approach both these games the same way. Um, and maybe if it's 2-0, with 20, 2-0 on aggregate to us with 20 minutes to go in the second leg, maybe you might see us going a little bit different. But I actually doubt it. Well, there we go. Um, if it, it probably doesn't sound it. Was your nil-nil, was it? You've got to do a prediction. I've done mine. You see, I say I said it would be a boring nil-nil, but I... But like I you, like you, No, no, like you've said, if we play to our ability and if we play to the strength that I know we're capable of, I reckon we'll take it. And I think, I think we might shock a few people, so I'm going to say 3-1. No, nah, you've got to stick with nil-nil. You can't go changing it just because I've... No, I didn't predict nil-nil. I said that I think it's going to be an interesting game and it's going to be a very tight game and one to watch on the telly. Now watch it go and be a nil-nil. Oh, who wants to be a millionaire? 
my game's not three one. You shouldn't have a lifeline. You shouldn't get to ask a friend me and then have you convinced. So I'm not buying that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, um I've just been scrolling through Twitter while you've been uh, while you've been saying stuff. Um, I do I've, that when you're talking. Yeah, I've just seen that Allison has scored for Liverpool. What? Their keep their goalkeeper. Oh. In the ninety okay. fifth minute. There we go. Okay. Um so anyway, that gives you an idea of when we were recording. Um, right, is there anything else that we need to discuss? Well, not Premier League results, that's for sure. No. Breakaway Super League teams, they don't normally get mentioned on here. No, but I just thought it was interesting that a goalkeeper scored. Yeah, to be fair, I think all sorts of stuff's interesting. Um, <coughs> uh, XG, interesting. Yeah, that's not... Um, so okay, it'll be, so, well, we haven't asked him yet, but I would assume the next episode of the podcast is likely to be Jake. Um, certainly any Wembley special will be because I will definitely not be allowed to record uh, while I'm not away in Devon. You're breaking my heart, Cass. You're breaking my heart. OK, well, I'll record. Well, I can't. I can't do it. I, I, I tell you, it breaks your heart, but fee would break my legs. So I'd rather, <laughs> rather your heart was broken than my legs. All right, that's fair. Um, so cool. Right, well, I think that's probably a decent enough spot to wrap up, unless we do have anything else. I can't think of anything else I want to plug. Um, so just obviously Jamie's walk and Chris's uh, or Intunes's um, yearbook comic yearbook. I, I always say comic. I always just think a collection of comic strips is a comic book. You should know that comic books are your thing. Maybe you should make little models of all of the characters out of it with big heads and put them in boxes on your shelves. You know, like a big-headed Michael Appleton and a big-headed me. <laughs> That'd be apt. Um, and, you know, a big yeah, right now it would be. Yeah, maybe you should do that. You should <laughs> put them all up there. And you should get little holograms to stick on the front so that they look authentic. You should <laughs> label them toys for grown men. Anyway. Um, but, yeah, before we disappear, I do want to address, obviously, the the situation that me and Rach found ourselves in on Friday evening. Um, yes, that was Rach's name um, that came out last in the raffle, which is ridiculous. Just just before you do, I didn't watch it. Did my name come out at all? No. 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 Okay. I wanted shares in the club anyway. I didn't want a 12 grand executive box. <laughs> I, I genuinely don't know, like, to to give you an idea the first words that we spoke and for about three and a half hours afterwards the only thing that we could say was what the f um but yeah it's um i'm still just a little bit in shock and i am fairly certain that it might be worth keeping subscribed to the stacy west podcast (laughs) um before the start of the season let's just say that so um you're giving yeah. it away to a Stacey West listener. That's very generous. The whole box, that's incredibly generous of you. Not for the whole season. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, because otherwise uh, I'd try and rig it and get my dad to win it. Actually, do you know what? It's a great prize. And um, obviously I'm chuffed for you. And I know some of your plans and it's um, it's, it's not going to be Ben and Rachel sat in opulence every single game of the season. Because obviously I think you prefer to watch not behind the glass as well. So um but yeah, yeah, I mean, great it, I'd say are, congratulations, but you know, I've already said it, so no point. There are obviously games that uh, I'm going to want to be in the stand for, and obviously it depends on what league we're in as well. So the warm ones, yeah, 
you know, it's, it's going to be very useful on a Tuesday night in December. <laughs> uh, do you get it? Do you get it for the cup games that you have to normally pay for? I don't know. I haven't oh, even. Right. I haven't even dared to breach that question. Uh, I suppose you will, though. Yours for the whole season. So, you know, if we, if we do have get a cup replay on a freezing night in December against, let's say we're maybe we're in the championship, it would be till January, would it? But you know, suddenly Atherston United coming to Sinsel Bank and be quite useful. I remember a game against Morecambe a few years ago where I'd done anything to have gone in an executive box, but instead I was smoking at the time. I went in the smoking area. God, it was cold. All those poor buggers in the front row of the co-op where what when it the, rains and you just yeah, get soaked. What was, the, what was the game a few... Was it last season? When it was it was bitterly cold. It was Morecambe. It was Morecambe, Morecambe yes, it was. It was before when we won the league yeah. title, yeah. 3-1 we won that game. Yeah. Jason Shackle's free kick. Well, oh yeah, of course it was. Jason yeah. Shackles going up and he smacked that free kick in, um, and yeah. it, it was just yeah. There was that, and there was Grimsby when we beat them three one, and it snowed a few years ago. They were was was a cold. My birthday. Was it really? Yeah. They were they were the coldest coldest days I think I've ever had at football, apart yeah. from away at Gateshead, which um, in the FA Trophy, where even even Michael Horton and Steve Thompson's body warmth next to me, um, it didn't keep me warm. <laughs> fair enough right well we will see you well i will see you next week hopefully gaz will as well um and then it'll be me and jake for a wembley one hopefully we'd better ask jake but yeah well i'm sure you won't say no all right then guys we'll see you next week up the imps up the imps minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping but then you steal the last nugget snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com and there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.